0: sabbath happy sabbath wow what a powerful song i can feel the presence of god right now Amen. um actually something i, I I'm, I'm just amazed because that's one of my favorite songs and you guys just sing it before i share god's word so i really feel i really feel the anointing <laughs> so thank you so much for the song and uh, I know that we're going to have an amazing time and that God has something for each one of you today. And so, happy Sabbath, church. Happy Sabbath. You know, it's good to be in the house of the Lord today. And uh, you could have chosen many other places to go to, but you chose to be in God's house. And I know that because of that, because you chose Christ, because you you chose his church, that his grace will be multiplied to you. And of course, those who are watching online as well, uh, thank you for being with us. You could have chosen other channels, but you chose a godly YouTube channel, a channel that would channel you to Christ. And I hope and I know that God will draw us to himself today through his word, through the presence of his Holy Spirit and the angels that are here with us today. And so recognizing that right now we are, we are as, as Hebrews 12 says, we are encompassed by a cloud of witnesses. Uh, Let us welcome his Holy Spirit and his holy angels to work on our minds as we hear his word today. And so allow me to, to just say a quick word of prayer before we begin. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being a good God. Thank you for this special time you've given us. Thank you for giving us your word to sanctify our hearts. Lord, I pray that you speak for me. And I listen instead. Lord, I pray that, that, Lord, as the word falls, it should not fall on, on the wayside or by thorny places or, or by, by any place that's not right. But I pray that it should fall on good ground, the good ground of the heart. And so, Father, soften our hearts that we may receive your truth, understand it and believe it and go ahead and live it out in our lives. Lord, speak to us. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, based on our title, not our title, but our scripture reading, rather, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, you guys already know what I'll be talking about, right? From our scripture reading this morning, we're told that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so... We will be talking about how God deals with shortness, or shortage, or shortcomings. How God deals with our shortage. How God deals with our short-sightedness, our shamefacedness. How God deals with our shapelessness. How God deals with, really, our selfishness. Our inadequacies. How God deals with our insufficiencies, imperfections, inefficiencies. How does God deal with our deficiency, destituteness, disability, depreciation, desolation, decomposition, and really even death? You know, I wish I could go on and on with all the possible poetic permutations of the problems that we present to God by just being humans, by just being a people as individuals, as families, even as a church. And and I wish I could do that just to show you that there's no depth that God cannot reach. But the Holy Spirit reminds me that, just as Romans 3.23 is a short verse, I need to keep this sermon short. So so the title has to match the message. And so so by the power of the Holy Spirit, I know that God will help me to keep this short and sweet and that, that the message may be massaged in our minds and in our hearts successfully. So to achieve this purpose... Uh, Please open your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. Make sure you follow along. We'll just be looking at 10 verses from the story of Luke chapter 19. And in Luke chapter 19, we also find another short person by the name of Zacchaeus. And that's what we'll be looking at today. And so as I speak, please pray for me that this sermon will be Zacchaeus as well short (laughs) all right so verse one tells us that jesus entered and passed through jericho and you know when you read the bible you can read it as a newspaper or you can dig a bit deeper to find what's hidden because because the bible is really a hidden treasure it's like a mine you have to dig deep and so I, was, I, was, I wanted to find what's going on here. Why does it say Jesus entered and passed through? Two words that really sound redundant. You know, when you enter and pass through, it's like, why do you have to use two words? So I went into my, my software that I use for studying the Bible, and it has, you know, some, some Greek as well. And there, the words sound a bit similar. Enter in Greek is asekomai, and pass through is deikomai. It sounds a bit similar, but the definitions are different. sekomai means to enter, right? But de, de, deikomai means something like to traverse or to. It has that encompassing effect. So you're not just entering, but you enter and you, you move around everything. It's like you come in contact with everything that's going on in that place or, or that person. And so even though I'm not an accomplished Bible scholar, I want really to submit to you that these two words are used very intentionally. And in fact, these two words show us that God is an intentional God. He's not just passing through Jericho, just just passing through Jericho, no. But, but he wants to do something. It's not aimless because he does not just asekomai, he also dekomai in this place. What if I told you though that Jericho Despite its beaming beauty, despite it being called the city of palms or even as Josephus calls it, divine region and and the fattest place in Palestine. What if Jericho is not the object of Jesus' visitation? And, And consequently, what if it's not the subject of our sermon today? For you see, Jericho is not the first place that Jesus entered and passed through. The first asekomai and kumai happens in John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, for God so loved the world. What happened? Can you say that verse for me? For God so loved the world. That whosoever believes in him should know what? But have everlasting life. And so we find the first answer to our question. How does God deal with my sin? Jesus was sent to enter and pass through this world. Not to condemn, but to save. Now watch what happens in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. You know it very well as well. It says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hear my voice, and what? Open the door, I will come to him and will sup with him and he with me. So Jesus is truly a double blessing. Not only does he want to enter your heart, that's not enough. He wants to do something else. He wants to, to enter into a relationship with you. He wants to dekoma, if you will, to pass through your life. And I just wanted to mention, though, that before we get to the second part of what Jesus does, that Jesus actually right now wants to enter into your life. He wants to enter into your business, if you will, but you have to allow him to. Your marriage, your, your relationship, any business that you're doing right now, Jesus wants to actually enter into that. And in fact, when we began 2022, Jesus also entered 2022 with us because he says he will be with us until the end of the world. So Jesus wants to enter your heart, but he also wants to interact. He wants to sup with you. And the last part of this, of this verse, rather, is, Uh, speaks to this more. It says, not only does Jesus want to sup with you, he wants you also to sup with him. Right? So you see that reciprocity happening, that exchange that is amazing. And if you think about it, this reciprocity is the answer to the problem of human weakness. Jesus makes it very clear in John 15 verse 8 that without him we can do what? Nothing. Nothing. And, And he already said in verse 4, abide in me And I in what? In you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. So if we abide in Jesus Christ, we will have the power to conquer our weakness, our shortcomings, our our shortage. And so my prayer is that you will not just let Jesus be part of your life. But, but that Jesus will be part and parcel of your life. Allow him to pass through, not just to enter, but to interact with you and have that communion with you. Jesus must, uh, Jesus not only comes to, uh, allow him to pass through, not only when it comes to matters of, let's say, understanding the Sabbath or, or the state of the dead, but in every aspect of your life. Jesus must, asekomai and deikomai, in our spiritual life, of course, but let him pass through and walk through your work life, as I say, your relationship, your marriage, your education, how you deal with your health. And as a church, we need to allow Jesus in his church to enter and to permeate through everything that happens in our church. Now, this, this might mean, though, that as he passes through, he might step over everything that's unlike him, that he might destroy things that are not that don't look like him, but his intention is to save us. His intention is to celebrate with us, to have a supper with us, really. And so when there's that constant reciprocity or reciprocal communion between the soul and Jesus Christ, when you are weak, you can say with confidence like Paul, then I am strong because you have that constant connection with Jesus. Now, moving on in verse two, you can follow in your Bibles. We are in Luke chapter 19. We are told that there was a man named Zacchaeus and that he was a chief tax collector or publican. Now, I find this verse to be contradictory. I find this to be a contradiction. In fact, I think the Bible has so many contradictions. (laughs) And I'll tell you why I'm saying that especially the ones that contradict our hearts. Because the natural man is not subject to the things of God, to the law of God, neither, neither indeed can be. And so there are things that you read in the Bible and they're just so contradicting to your heart. But we've, we already know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But anyways, I was wondering why does Dr. Luke present to us in the midst of our unworthiness Zacchaeus, as, as, it, as it's pronounced in the original language. And Zacchaeus means the pure one. Now you think Zacchaeus or Zacchaeus is the pure one. But then side by side, we're also presented with a chief of the publicans, tax collectors. Now these were people who were so genius at being evil, they even used math to do it, and formulas. And so we see the contradiction between the person The person's name, Zacchaeus, pure one, and the person's character. Two different things. But we also see another contradiction here between good and evil. And it's really an oxymoron if you think about it. His name is pure, but he's impure. And this speaks to the contradiction that happens in our hearts as well. You know, another contradiction that I see here is the contradiction of him, Zacchaeus, being a Jew, choosing to 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 treat his people so oppressively. That's a contradiction. It doesn't make sense. And, you know, I want to submit to you, though, that these contradictions are not just unique to Zacchaeus. Even in 2021, I mean, 2022, we find ourselves in similar contradicting dilemmas. This internal struggle that happens within the heart. Don't you feel it? Is, Is it just me? And it's not better expressed than by the preacher of preachers himself, Paul. In Romans chapter 7, verse 19, he says, for the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. And so Paul, even though he's a powerful preacher with so many years of Christian experience, even he realizes and admits that he's still struggling against sin and selfishness. So how does how does how does he resolve this? And by the way, just to mention one important thing here, that you know, working for God, or working in the ministry, is never a vaccine against sin and selfishness. And so even though you preach for God or you work for God, you will still struggle with sin because sin, they say all have what? Sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So here's how Paul resolves our problem. In 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15, it says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am what? Chief. The hymn summarizes it this way. Chief of sinners though I be, Jesus shed his blood for me, died that I might live on high, lives that I might never die, as the branch is to the vine. I am his, and he is mine. You see that reciprocity between the the branch and the vine. Jesus Christ is our only only hope, church. And if we reject him, we'll end up having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. In fact, the problem we face today as a church is that we have so many Zacchaeus who are publicans, too many Zacchaeus who are tax collectors, too many Christians who have idols, Too many Christians who are tied to images, graven images, I should say, and imaginations of what God should look like, but that he's not. Too many Christians who take God's name in vain, lightly and playfully. They won't mind being called Christians, but they won't do what Christ did. Too many Christians who keep the Sabbath, but don't have the Sabbath. The perfect peace that passes all understanding. The free forgiveness of sin that we find in Jesus, his rest. Too many Christians who dishonor, disobey, disappoint, and disrespect their parents. Too many Christians who steal. They steal God's time, talents, and tithes. Which is interesting because Zacchaeus was a tax collector. So it's like tax collecting from God. Too many Christians who commit adultery fornication, and youthful lusts. Maybe that was too King James' version for you. I mean Christians who cheat on their spouses and partners or who are in forbidden sexual relationships. Christians who live for lust. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That's the problem we have today. Too many Christians who kill by their words and deeds. They don't speak life, they speak death. Too many Christians who operate by selfishness and covetousness, which is really the root of all sin. And we also have Christians who bear false witness about others, about themselves, and unfortunately about God. That's our problem today. We are Christian in name only. And the positions we hold at church, but the the contents of our characters are are Christ-like. But if I stepped on your toe today, do not be discouraged. Because Jesus is the only solution. And that solution is available and accessible today. Moving on in verse 3, we see that we can be like Zacchaeus. We can be like Zacchaeus. Not the the Zacchaeus of verse 2, but the Zacchaeus of verse 3. We are told that he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press because he was of little stature. Now, Zacchaeus sought to see Jesus, who he was. That's very important. And I wish today we could seek to see Jesus, who he is. Not the miracles he he performs, not the blessings he has, not the things he gives, but to see Jesus, who he is. That's That's when Jesus becomes effective in our lives. And really, that's the beginning of that reciprocity that I was talking about. So Zacchaeus is not interested in theology or church as much as he is interested in Jesus. And and you would think that church and Jesus are inseparable, right? It's like one and the same thing. After all, Jesus is the head of the church. But what if I told you that, you know, church sometimes can get in your way, in the way of Jesus, or can get in your way to Jesus? Do you believe that? And I want you to know this because you should have the right expectations when it comes to church. We are told that Zacchaeus could not see Jesus because of the press. I wonder how many today can't see Jesus because of the press, because of the church, because of our press. I think sometimes we surround Jesus so much, we end up hiding him from others. And this could be unintentional. Church can just be overwhelming, too. So many things to learn, so many things to unlearn. And and the overwhelmingness and the crowdedness of church can sometimes prevent you from seeing Jesus. But again, church is not perfect. Just like the crowd in Zacchaeus' times wasn't perfect. And I'm sure that as Zacchaeus was trying to get to see Jesus, someone may have intentionally pushed him away. Possibly, right? It's, it's, it's plausible as well. And I wonder if it's also true in our church today. And, and, and sometimes, you know, I don't know how many churches you've been to, but no matter which church you go to, there will always be someone or something that prevents you from seeing Jesus. And so expect that and, and have, have a solution for that, just like Zacchaeus had the solution for it. And it just says that sometimes the way we act... We act as though we have the copyright to the truth, or even Jesus, but, but these things ought not to be so. When Jesus is in the heart, we will make him known to others. We will want to tell him to others. We want others to know him just as we do. I wish I, wish I had more time to talk about the little statue of Zacchaeus, but by now we already know that Zacchaeus was not only short in the sight of men, but he was also short in the sight of God. He, was, he, he, he had been weighed and found wanting. But I also believe that we are the modern day Zacchaeus. Do you believe that? We are the modern day Zacchaeus because we too are short in stature. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've been weighed and found wanting as well. And the words that Jesus says to the church of Saudis, I think, are true for us. He says, for I have have not found thy works perfect before God. Do you feel like that today? I feel like that today. My works have not been found perfect in the sight of God. But verse number four tells us that Zacchaeus does something interesting. He runs before and climbs into a sycamore tree. For, he was to pass, for Jesus was to pass that way. Now, Zacchaeus was not discouraged by the opposition. He was not discouraged by the, 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 the people who didn't want him to see Jesus. But from their cruelty, he gathered courage. From their indifference, he gathered confidence. And so he runs before and climbs into the sycamore tree. I want to submit to you by the authority of the Holy Scriptures today that the only way to deal with, with our shortcomings, the backbitings that come from our, our friends and people, uh, church members or whatever members, is actually to run before and climb. Now you ask, where are we gonna run to? Of course you run to Jesus, because he is the solution. But this is not an ordinary type of running, because Zacchaeus did not run through the crowd, but we are told that he ran before the crowd. This running was mathematical. This running was calculated. And so in my sanctified imagination, I can imagine Zacchaeus looking at the crowd and looking at where Jesus was. And and he looks at the the sycamore tree and I'm I'm pretty sure that in those days they also had trigonometry And so he used his own version of what I would call the Pythagoras theorem. And he says to himself, if I run and climb, if I run this way and climb, somehow I will definitely see the hypotenuse, right? I wish I I had time to tell you that Jesus is the hypotenuse of life, the hypotenuse of the triangle of life. He is the circumference of the circle of life. Zacchaeus knew that. And so he ran before and he climbs. Sometimes the opposition is just too much. The distractions are just too much. The power of sin is just too much in your life. And at those times, in those times, you need to run ahead and climb. As we run, though, people might think we are crazy. As we run, people might think, what's going on? How how come you're running? It doesn't make sense what you're doing. But we know what we know. We want to see Jesus, and another thing I think we have to understand is that seeing Jesus is not just place specific or place sensitive, it's also time sensitive, and so I want to remind us today that we need to seek the Lord while he may yet be found, because if Zacchaeus only missed the distance that he calculated in his mind, Jesus would have passed by and he wouldn't have seen Jesus. And so he had to be very intentional about what he was doing. Now we are in verse number five. And and Jesus gets to the place where Zacchaeus is. And he stops. Isn't that powerful? You know, Jesus was a busy person. But he stops for Zacchaeus. I believe that if we truly believe in Jesus with all our hearts and seek him with all our hearts, he will stop for us. He will stop for us. He will stop the sun for us. He did it for Joshua, right? He will stop our enemies for us. He will make time for us because God honors those who honor him, right? God respects those who respect him. So Jesus tells Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today. I must abide at thy house. What if I told you that Jesus wants to abide at your house today? Do you believe that? Jesus wants to abide at your house today. We've already read that he stands at the door of the heart and knocks. And that if you open, he will come in and sup with you and dine with you and you with him. But it has to be today. It doesn't say yesterday or tomorrow. It says today. I want to abide with you at your house. And so there's some urgency to this. He says, make haste. God, Jesus, I believe, is the God of today. There's a verse that says he's the God of the living, not of the dead, right? And, and so this, this is the good day that the Lord has made, right? Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And there's another verse that tells us that if you hear his voice, not tomorrow, not yesterday, but today, do not harden your hearts as in the days of provocations. And so I pray that today, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, do not harden your hearts. It's easy to, but do not because Jesus loves you and he wants to have that reciprocal relationship and communion with you. And so in verse 6, Zacchaeus obeys and we are told that he received Jesus. It's how that we received Jesus that I'm very concerned and interested about. It says that he received Jesus joyfully. Joyfully, right? You know, some people have the misconception that You know, when you receive Jesus, your life becomes boring or you become bored and rigid and rugged. But not according to Zacchaeus. We are told that he received Jesus, how? Joyfully. So we are reminded even in the scriptures that just as you have received Jesus, walk so in him. But what I've realized is that just because you are happy doesn't make everyone else happy. Have you realized that? I don't know why it is, but it's it's just what it is. And even when you get successful, there are people who start plotting against you and making plans against you, and they start hating against you. Do you think it could be the same in the church? Truth is, not everybody cares about you. Not everybody even celebrates you. Not everybody even likes you. Not everybody really loves you. But you know what? All that doesn't matter because Jesus does. Jesus loves you. Jesus likes you. How's that? <laughs> Jesus died for you. And so, and so when the devil uses the crowd, you know, to, to disturb your peace, remember that, or even when you see people who hate you or who mistreat you in the church or wherever it may be, remember that Jesus Christ cares for you. In verse number 8 the church, the crowd complained that Jesus was going to have dinner with a sinner. But Zacchaeus was not bothered by that. Instead of trying to redeem his reputation, instead of trying to prove himself otherwise, he accepts that he's a sinner. And in fact, he makes a public confession that he will restore what he stole, that he will heal what he hurt, that he will build what he had broken. And so when the devil Well, the devil doesn't work alone, does he? He uses our family members. He uses even church members, people around us. when, When the devil tries to tell you that you are a sinner and you do not deserve to have dinner with Jesus, that you don't deserve to work for Jesus, that you do not deserve to stand in his pulpit, tell him, yes, I agree. I don't deserve to be in his church. I don't deserve to be his. In fact, I'm chief of sinners, and that is why I need a Savior. That is why we all need a Savior. There's nobody who doesn't need a Savior because we are all afflicted and inflicted by the curse of sin. So in verse number 9, when, when we come to Jesus with a broken and contrite heart, he will not reject us. He will not refuse us because we too are the children of Abraham, sons of Abraham, children of Abraham, and heirs according to the promise. So blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, the man unto whom the Lord imputes not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. That's Psalm 32, verse 1 and 2. And so this story, this short story of Zacchaeus presents to us how God deals with our shortcomings. How God deals with our problems, our inadequacies, our insufficiencies. God sent Jesus. God sends Jesus. And Jesus seeks us. But you see, this seeking has to be reciprocal. This seeking cannot be one-sided. We must also seek him. Seek him with all our hearts. Seek him with all our money. Seek him with all we have. Everything we have. You know, it is true that Zacchaeus sought to see Jesus, who he was. But before Zacchaeus sought to see Jesus, thought even of seeking Jesus, Jesus had already sought him. In fact, I would say Jesus had already sorted his problem out. Because Jesus did not just pass through Jericho because it was a beautiful city. He had a purpose in mind. He wanted to meet Zacchaeus. Remember when he was on the way, I don't know where he was going, but the Bible says he must needs pass through Samaria. And when Jesus passed through Samaria, he met the woman at the well. That was intentional. Jesus was not surprised. He knew what he was doing. And so even in this story, Jesus knew that he wanted to meet Zacchaeus. And so what if I told you, church, that even today is not accidental, that today is also intentional, because we serve an intentional God. In a special sense, we are told that on the Sabbath day, God descends and comes on earth in a special way. That's what we're told in, the, in Inspiration. And you know, I don't know how far God is, but it's, science tells us it's many light years. I don't think God is going to just waste his fuel or whatever he uses to travel, just to come from heaven to here without purpose in mind. God has a purpose for us today. And I know that through this sermon, through his words, God wants to save someone today. That God wants to, to dine with someone today. All right? And so I pray and hope that if that's you today, that you give him your heart. He's knocking. Open your heart. Allow Jesus to have access in every area of your life. Confess to him your sins things you've done wrong and you know we can learn a lot from Zacchaeus when he was when he was confronted with him being a sinner he he confesses and he restores and he rebuilds and he heals and you know sometimes i think as christians we can end up misusing the grace of god you know using it to our own advantage when we hurt people when we when we 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 destroy things in people's lives, we need to make sure we restore them, because that's when we truly have that experience with Jesus Christ. And so, friend, if you feel like Zacchaeus today, short of short and little of stature, you have little faith, you have little spiritual strength, you have little zeal for God, you're no longer interested in Bible studies as you you were in the past. You have little Christian experience. You feel far away from the standard that God is calling you to. You fail and fall too often. You have a name that you're a Christian, but you know you're not. If that's you, and if you seek to see Jesus, who he was, at whatever cost, no matter the opposition and the distractions, you want to experience the power of Jesus Christ. If that's you, I want you to stand with me and let us run and climb to Jesus. So at this point, if you feel impressed by the Holy Spirit that you want to have that experience that Zacchaeus had, stand with me as we pray. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Your word is powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces, it enters, it passes through, even even to the deepest places that we cannot go to in our minds. It knows our thoughts. Lord, before you there's nothing hidden. All things are naked before your eyes. So Lord, I pray that you search our hearts and, and try us, Lord, and find that if there's anything unlike you, Lord, remove it. And lead us into the way everlasting. Lord, today we feel like Zacchaeus. We we are short physically. We are short emotionally. We are short financially. We are short in every aspect of life. It seems, Lord, that we can never just be perfect. That we can never really satisfy the demands, or should I say, your will towards us. But Lord, we know that we can be like Zacchaeus and have his experience to dine with you, to, to abide with you. Father, please let this be our experience today. I pray for those who are standing with me right now, making a commitment to run before and to climb. Lord, this won't be easy. It wasn't easy for Zacchaeus. There were many thoughts passing through his mind, discouragements, doubts, but Lord, he overcame everything by faith and he ran and climbed into that tree. Lord, that tree could be many things for us. It could be just coming to church. It could be joining the prayer meetings. It could be reviving and having our devotions we have in our homes. Lord, help us to be in the right place at the right time so that we can see you. Lord, bless us all. On this, your Sabbath day, as you have in a special way entered and visited earth. Lord, as you pass through, do not pass us by. Lord, as you touch people's lives, do not pass us by. As you make changes, as you give others victory to overcome sin, please give us also. Because, Lord, we need your help. Without you, we are hopeless. Without you, we are helpless. But with you, we are more than conquerors. And so, Lord, increase our little faith. The Lord, when you return in the cloud, the Lord, as we see you, we also may be like you and be transformed into your likeness and into your image. Thank you for hearing us. Bless every soul that's standing, everyone that is hearing, everyone that will hear this in the future, whatever time it may be. And Lord, let your word not return to you void, but let it do that which you sent it to do. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Right? Now, as we close, um, years ago, you may be seated. Years ago, I, I was at, at a point in my life when I felt really low. I, I felt disappointed. I had, you know, you know, when you make resolutions, and they're just like ropes that are not strong, I should say, or ropes in the sand. I felt really low. But then when I went to God's word, thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy words was the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Whenever you're discouraged, disappointed, God, go to God's word. So when I went to God's word, I wrote this song, and it really helped me and brought me back to God. And I pray that as you listen to this song, that your hearts will be lifted up and that you will know that Jesus Christ is the only one that can fill us up and they can build us up again into what he wants us to be so this is a song by the third Elijah and messengers messengers of hope so I hope you enjoy this song
1: Stand up and fill me up Teach me how to live in And give me a Holy Spirit To guide me every minute And fill me up Fill me up
0: Heavenly Father, once again, we come before your presence. Lord, we ask you to be our strength when we are weak. We ask you, Lord, to be our help in time of need. Heavenly Father, bless us and dismiss us with your blessings, Lord. Be with us throughout the week. And Lord, let us always depend upon you and never have confidence in ourselves. But let's have confidence in what you can do for us. And so, righteous Father, be our God and let us be your people. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.